Hello, boys and girls. Welcome to the Cool Kids Lunch Table Podcast with PJ and Mike. Now, please find yourself a seat at their table. Hey, guys, this is Mike. I'm PJ. This is episode 11. This is episode 11. This is going to be a real fun episode for us today. So what we're going to do is we're going to review two of our favorite movie franchises um, that we from our past. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how we would reboot that franchise if we were given the reins and the studio said, hey, how would you make this movie for a, a modern audience? What would you do? That's what we're going to talk about today on these two episodes, on these two movies. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of know PJ and I, we kind of wanted to pick um, franchises that are, you know, we're not doing a Batman or a Marvel. Right. We kind of want more Star Wars. We kind of want to start something kind of fresh. Right, exactly. You know, something that deserves a little bit of a... Uh, um, well-deserved reboot. But, um, PJ, I want to ask you a uh, childhood memory. Sure. You know, what What movie did you see in theaters, and when you left, after the movie was over, you said, man, I want to make movies. You know, what, what movie was that for you? So, I didn't see it in the theater. The movie came out in 94, so we were only like nine at the time. Mm. I probably saw it a couple of years later, probably on like Showtime or something like that, or HBO. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is Clerks. I'm not even oh, supposed to yes. be here today. So, Makes sense. so I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. Most people who know me know that. I like his movies. I like his style of humor. Um, the first Kevin Smith movie I remember watching was Mallrats. Yep, yep. I actually remember sitting in my living room um, just watching TV. My sister was in the living room with us, and she was the one watching TV. And Mallrats was just kind of on in the background. Um, and I remember watching that and liking it because... There was a lot of comic book talk in that movie because the, the mm-hmm. main character, Brody, was a yeah. big comic mm-hmm. book fan, right? And then I really liked that. And then I started, like, getting into, like, the idea of, oh, man, there are movies, like, for me, like, about characters like that like comic books like me. And that's kind of how I started going down that rabbit hole. And then I found Clerks. Um, and for me, look, I'm not saying it's a cinematography masterpiece or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the dialogue in that movie is probably among the best dialogue in any movie. Mm-hmm. But the idea of it was it was two dudes hanging out in a store where they worked, talking about movies. Like, they talked about Star Wars. What did you like better? Jedi or the Empire Strikes Back? You know, they were cursing a lot. The same way that, like, I remember cursing. Like, when we were in school, we would, you know, we'd talk and we would, you know, that's how we, we would speak. And it just, like, spoke to me on that level. And I was, like, just so enthralled that somebody could take a, not a, not a big movie set or a big movie budget Mm-hmm. And make something that people loved. And that's what really got me into the idea of like, maybe I can make a movie someday. And that's why I did go to film school for a little while. I didn't finish, but I did go and try and learn the art of making movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that for me is like the reason I'm a, a movie buff or I like movies. It, it all comes back to really prior pre-Clerks, I was just a kid that liked watching movies. Mm-hmm. After Clerks, I was a person that said, not only do I like movies... I think I could do this. Um, right. And that that really clicked something in me. Like, I like the idea of being creative. I like the idea of being able to tell a story. And, and that movie did it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and to this day, I'm still a huge Kevin Smith fan. I, I see all his movies. I go to his live events that he hosts. And, uh, and it's really because it shaped that movie and his movies, shaped my personality, the way I look at certain things. So I'm a big fan, and that's the reason why. Well, that's a great How choice. How about you? Do you have a movie like that? Yeah, I mean... 
I, I there's so many movies that inspired me when I walked out of the theater. But I remember being super young. I saw Terminator 2. Great movie. Theaters and I don't know, must have been six or seven. But I remember when that movie was over, I left. And all like I said, I was just like, oh man, I want to be a director. But I remember just like, oh wow, I want to make movies. I want to be an actor. I want right. to do, you know, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to make a movie. I remember just saying that as a kid. I just, and, you know, I just remember like just everything was magic. You know, I was like, wow, how did they make that guy metal? You know right. I mean? And I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger as a kid. You know, still and, you know, by that point, well, he's larger than life. Yeah. At that point, I already saw Predator a hundred times. I saw Commando. <laughs> you know, I probably shouldn't be seeing these movies so young, but like. I just knew, like, I knew those, I knew at that age, I knew certain things weren't real. Right. And at that point, I didn't know about Santa Claus. I thought Santa Claus was still real. But I knew Arnold was an actor. You mean Santa Claus isn't still real? Yeah, yeah. So, I, um, I just remember, like, seeing that movie and, like, I'm like, wow, I want to be creative like that. Yeah. Man. I want to do that, you know, and. Oh, well, that was man. a mind-blowing movie. And it still holds up as one of the best movies yeah. ever made. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. then, like you said, like as you get old, you start learning more about like yeah. acting and you know, and James Cameron. You know, you can say we want with the Avatar movies, but like the dude was just a regular guy. He used to be a truck driver, and he kind of got his, you know, he had a dream about Terminator, about right. robots with a gun. You and know, look what and, he did with that dream. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, and all of his movies. Uh, you know, I th- honestly, that guy has a great catalog of films. Really, it's hard to really say he has a bad. His Avatar's is his worst movie. That's really not that bad. You know? Right, exactly. And people <laughs> and love it. A lot it, of people love that movie and think it's his yeah, best. It's I've, fine. It's yeah. a fine movie. It's not really. It's hard to really break its balls. It's fine. Mm. It's entertaining. You know, I think Terminator Two is still his best. I think so too. In terms of like story wise, well, when you everything. create something as good as Terminator Two. For the rest of your career, all you can do is try to live up to Terminator Two, and nothing can. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. But that guy has, like you said, great catalog, and if his worst movie is one of the best movies of all time, then he's doing something right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's some movie magic. So PJ, what's uh, we'll start with you, man. Okay. Uh, what's what's a movie that that your franchise or you, know, you want to review and then eventually? Uh... Sure. So the movie that I picked is Dick Tracy. Oh, I so, love it. It's a great movie. Uh, it was it 90, 91 in that in that yeah. era? Mm-hmm. Directed by Warren Beatty, starring Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. Um, produced by Touchstone, I think it was. It was Disney, but it was supposed to be released under the Disney banner, but they released it under the Touchstone banner because it was uh, had some adult language, yeah. adult. So themes. was Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly for the same reasons. It was because the the subject matter wasn't exactly all ages. Mm-hmm. It was mostly all ages, but whatever. That's why they chose to do it as Touchstone. Um, I think when you watch that movie, the the first thing that pops out is the colors. I just about to say, man, absolutely. The colors are just so they they're bright. They're the the yellow trench coat and the yellow hat for Dick Tracy or his partner Sam Catchem in the bright orange. But the villains are all in. in you know, the movie takes place in like the thir- I think nineteen thirty eight is the year that movie takes place in. So they're all in like those zoot suits and all, but they're they're brightly colored. Yeah. The the backgrounds in those movies are all painted. So they don't do that anymore because now you have CGI. That was maybe one of the last movies I think that actually. But used. that still has like a like a mystique to it. It does. And it yeah. makes it adds. I always talk about tone with film. It it doesn't make you like um, disconnected from. No, it, it doesn't. It makes you more. It involved. makes you feel like you're more kind of like it. a Sin City. Yeah, you know, we know that's all a bunch of CGI and all that shit. But it still works so it works. well. Mm-hmm. And you know the plot of the movie is is not the deepest. It's Dick Tracy is trying to. Uh, Lock up the you know the organized crime leader the, the mob leader Big Boy Caprice which is uh, Al Pacino yep yeah mm-hmm. so the cast you got Warren Beatty great actor Big Boy mm-hmm. Caprice great actor um, with Al Pacino Madonna's in that yep as uh, as Breathless Mahoney mm-hmm. um, it it's uh, a great cast 
and the act, and even Dustin Hoffman is in that as Mumbles. Mm-hmm. So you you have these top notch movie stars, movie stars. Let's say it again, movie yeah. stars. Mm-hmm. They're not just actors. These are people that when you look at on the screen are larger than life. And they're kind of hidden too because they're the makeup. The makeup, right? Ooh. It's all their performance that's that's yeah. selling it. Mm-hmm. And it's the movie takes place in like I said the 30s, but it feels timeless. Yes. You know that like you always talk about tone. The tone of that movie is perfect. Yep. The mm-hmm. plot of the movie it's an old school cops and robbers, good guy versus bad guys. You can't mm-hmm. not get sucked into good guys yeah. versus bad guys. Mm-hmm. You want to root for the, the cops, but at the same time, like you said, the special eff- practical effects, the makeup that they used to, to yeah. just change they, the look. And we know the, the, let's say with their, their facial, like they make right. their super big foreheads yeah. or big lips, whatever the heck it was. We know it's a little cartoonish, but, but it, it works. Still, it still looks more real than CGI. I'm not right. against CGI. Like you use it with anything with, and parameters with limitations, but to me, it still looks good. Oh, man. it looks it's, great, and you know, and it looks scary too, right? Which makes it more and it's a compelling story. I think you said a couple weeks ago, one of our episodes, there's no romance in movies anymore. Oh, yeah, this movie mm-hmm. filled with romance. You know, he you have Tess Trueheart, his girlfriend mm-hmm. is trying to like say, tell him she's gonna leave if you don't marry me. We've been dating like, for so long, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't get it through his head because he's like a grizzled old veteran cop. Then you have Madonna as uh, as Breathless Mahoney trying to seduce him, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of that, there's that that romantic sort of element to it, that love story element that they have a kid in there for for kids to relate mm-hmm. to, Dick Tracy Jr. But when he meets him, he's just like a a kid on the street stealing like, wallets. He was like a like an orphan, like an yeah. orphan exactly. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, so kids can watch that character and be like, oh, I could be like Dick Tracy too, the same way that mm-hmm. there was something for everyone in that movie. There was action. Uh, Warren Beatty did a lot of his own stunts, so it yeah. you could really focus on the actual actor doing. A lot of times, if you see stunts and it's a stuntman, they're all like further away because you can't look, yep. at, especially mm-hmm. in that time frame. Yep. But there's one scene where he jumps like off a roof building onto like a street lamp post, mm-hmm. and he smacks his face into the into the street lamp. Right. He wasn't supposed to because he's not, but he's not a stuntman. Right. But that's really him doing it, you right. know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that adds to the to the movie, I think, when you have the actual actor doing everything and. Warren Beatty is a, a big fan of, of, of Dick Tracy in that franchise. He still owns the rights, which is why we don't have a new Dick Tracy movie right mm. now. But every few every few years, a fun fact about Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty has to produce something with Dick Tracy as the star or he oh, loses the rights to the, the movie. Right. So on like Turner Classic Movies, um, like this year he did one. It was called Tracy Zooms In. And it was like Dick Tracy on a Zoom meeting. Huh. Because if he doesn't produce um, content, right. he loses the rights. Because uh, he... Anyway, just saying, like that's he still loves that character so much that he holds the rights onto it. But sure, mm-hmm. uh, and Danny Elfman did the musical score. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong with an Elfman score. I think you know. Dick Tracy came after Batman, right? Batman was eighty nine, and Dick Tracy I think was ninety, and then I mm-hmm. think Batman Returns was ninety one. So it was in that yeah, same yeah. block. Yeah, Elfman of time. was big at. I mean, he still yeah. is, but, but right really there, big he was at really that cooking. time. And it, 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 I think also with eighty nine Batman, it also like kind of like the. Real fast with the the spring of like you had Dick Tracy, Batman Returns, Dark Man. Yeah, it was like a Sam yeah. Raimi, uh, yep. Liam Nielsen kind of yep. weirdo kind of movie. Um, he did the soundtrack for that, so I too. Yeah, so he was big in that time. So he's that's like mm-hmm. peak Elfman. Yep. So you had a great score that really was something worth listening to, and mm-hmm. and again the thing about that movie that really sticks out is the uniqueness of the characters, mm-hmm. like the villains. The villains are great. Flat top, and it's just yeah. a, it's a gangster with a flat head. Yeah. Or little face. Um, little face was a, a normal sized person, but his face was supposed to be like no bigger than a, a nose. Yeah. So what they did was practical effects. They they got a little kid to play the face, 
and they put this little kid in like a, an adult-sized suit sort of a thing. Right. So when you looked at the head, it was just a little face. Right. Oh, it, yeah. yeah. Practical effects, but it looks real. Like you said, you CGI, that would look like a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, and mm-hmm. these are the things that stick out. And then, and for me, one of my favorite movies, I think, of, of all time, and I think it's one of those movies that I put in the class of as close to perfect as possible for me. Yeah, and I, I feel like that movie doesn't get enough love for some It reason. doesn't. I don't know why. Maybe it's overshadowed by Batman. Yep. Overshadowed by Batman. it's really not Batman. a bad movie. I know people give it like, I know I love IMDB. That's my favorite, yeah. one of my favorite sites. I like it better than Rotten Tomatoes. I can't say yeah. Rotten Tomatoes. But um, I think it's like a 6 out of 10. And it deserves IMDb. more. It I think it'll be like a like a seven point five. Really, that's it, it, the most fair. It lives in the shadow of Batman, and it's, that's a being in the shadow of the bat's a hard place to, yes. to be. Um, but this movie is just as good as those Batman movies, if not better. And the character Dick Tracy, I think, was created by Chester Gold in the thirties, so he's a long lasting character. One of the first characters with an actual unique rogues gallery of villains. Yeah, you know. I, the character is great. The look of the character is timeless. The colors, everything about it, it speaks to people on all ages, and I think it's a great movie. So that's the movie I chose to reboot, and I'll, I'll go into my plans for that later, but why don't you tell us about the movie you chose? Yes, and PJ, that was a lovely choice. Um, so mine, it's a little bit more fresher, but I only tried to reboot it somewhat recently, but it's actually The Mummy. Okay. Um, with, you know, uh, Brendan Fraser and, you know, that one. He is uh, Rick O'Connell. So that movie came out, like I think, like, 99, which is crazy. And I, th- I don't know which... The one with Tom Cruise was just a mess. Oh, it was terrible. Um, I know they were trying to, which I'll, when we talk about how we would remake it, the reboot, and they were trying to make it. I like the idea of a monster universe. I, I, I like that idea. I'll get into that later on. But um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have already seen The Mummy, so I'm not going to do a whole plot. So basically, Rick O'Connell and Rachel Wise, they team up um, because Emotep, the mummy, has come back from the Book of the Dead, and they have to right. basically put him back in his place. <laughs> but the things I love about this movie is kind of. Really similar to um, Dick Tracy. It has a timeless, classic Hollywood thing. An adventure film. And a time period film. And I think it reasons why the Tom Cruise film didn't work. Because stories like that don't work in modern day. Like, uh, you know, in my certain horror films. But that, you need classic. You need, like, swashbuckling and romance. You need those kind of colors. Like, that kind of bright oranges and those. You don't need, today everything's dark and black and blue and blue you know it's like an indiana jones kind of vibe exactly exactly mm-hmm. and i love the things about this movie that you don't i'm going to talk about a lot also is the music it had that real egyptian i don't i didn't get the the composer's name but it had that that royalty kind of like you know like you know lot louder than life like when you're in you saw the mummy come or the, the face comes out of the sand you really felt that bigness and I feel like movies they don't really have that. They kind of and I love Hans Zimmer. He's one of my favorite, but he's very much, very much more of an ambient kind of uh, mm-hmm. writer. Where someone like Danny Elfman, you actually hear the theme. There, there is a, right. uh, a recurring uh, you know motif or right. uh, you know Papa Dupin. I mean that everyone Batman, bam, exactly. You know what I mean? Or um, John Williams when he did you know Superman. Yeah, you don't have that much anymore. I like I said, but Hollywood they're a bunch of copycats, so they take Hans Zimmer and then. They get another composer who's cheaper to produce, you know, Something everything similar. has, now everything has the, the Inception horn, yep. and all the trailers, but anyway, back to uh, the moment, like I said, it has romance, adventure, monsters, I mean, classic Hollywood, treasure, costumes, just talk about costumes with, you know, uh, Dick Tracy, just like, you know, just even like, 
you know, uh, Brendan Fraser, he's wearing like, like I think he's like wearing like kind of like like leather, somewhat leather pants or like kind of chaps or something. He has like right. a gun on the side, and you know, uh, the other guy is from Bruce Diglo, uh, male Gigolo. He was like the, you know, like the uh, Egypt's like right. protector. You know, he yep. had, like, the sword, like a tattoos on his face. You know what I mean? Like just characters. You know what I mean? You felt it. Um, There's just a real simplicity to it. And then I actually want to talk about the the next two, the trilogy, um, but. Really more so, not so much the third one. I'll get into that, but but the second film, this movie is so, so underrated. This is a great movie. It's a great follow-up. And which leads to my next point is some movies are kind of defined by how they end. And I Mm -hmm. think it's mainly because of the the awful, horrendous CGI with The Rock. Yeah. Okay, The Rock did not, and he has barely any lines in that movie. You know, I know they put him on there to promote it, but he's in the beginning of the movie, which he has awful acting he's like on the sand he's like going raw yeah on his knees i mean that's horrendous acting um and like i said i think certain movies are just kind of defined by their ending examples like the movie last of the mohicans that movie is that's with um uh, is that kevin costner and last of the mohicans no that's daniel day lewis okay Um, i'm drawing a blank right now who directed it oh michael mann there we go that whole movie's good but the last 20 minutes 15 minutes, oh my god, that movie is amazing. That's what saves it, you know? Right. Like, you can even argue Jedi, Return of the Jedi. It's very good, but that right. ending really, you know, between Vader right. and that, you know, takes his mask off. I mean, that yep. really makes it. So, unfortunately, I think that CGI kind of compromised the... Uh, the integrity of Exactly, yeah. but that movie is great. There's nothing really bad about that movie. Them getting to it, Rachel, oh, spoiler, Rachel Wise dies in it, but then he revives her, or she gets mortally injured. Um, and then... I guess you know if I quickly if I had to re if I had to remake that scene I'm surprised you know when they're making these films they always do reshoots and I'm you know I don't know if they had to meet a deadline probably you know but how do you not like you think about I'm you know about Predator the first one they were doing um, John McTiernan he always films seventy five percent of the film and then he films the last quarter right. to fix he does get rough edit but. They were like, yeah, you know, this costume ain't looking good. They had John Claude Van Damme actually look awful. Then they got, you know, um, it's like, uh, oh, Stan Winston. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, made obviously the iconic Predator. Right. So why don't they just? I just feel like they couldn't look. This is we could always play, you know, retrospect, but they should have just said, okay, look, this doesn't look good. Why don't we just have The Rock? He's already huge, like I mean, right. physically, the gigantic you know, human. Just make his face look. Even put man, do Predator. Put some mandibles on him. Right. Maybe make one hand, all right, fine, uh, a pincer from a scorpion. And then maybe you have, like, he has, like, a giant pet, you know, scorpion. And they're, right. they're fighting. That's all you had to do. If you want your CG in, okay, there, they'll turn you on. But make him look very grotesque and, like, moldy, like a mummy himself. <laughs> up, you know? And then, you know, then you beat him. Maybe you do something like the crow. The only way to beat him is, like, he's invincible. As soon as you kill the crow, like in the crow, right? You, you, know, you kill the, the, the scorpion, then you, now, now he's mortal. Now you can kill him. You know, but... Anyway, I think it's such a totally underrated movie because it's really a great film. The Mummy 3, look, they didn't have the same director, Stephen Sommers, do it. I know he produced it, but Rachel Wise didn't come back. And the movies, that's not a good movie, honestly. Yeah, you, you lose the vision great. of the director and you lose the yeah. the actress. That, right. It's not, the same, it's not right. the same type of thing anymore. Yeah, and I, I admire that they went to, um, what was it, Jet Li, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, to and I, I, that was a good concept. It went to a different area, and you have to right. tell the story. But it just, it just a long story short, like I said, I'm not gonna, you know, I didn't ruin the franchise. You know, I think that thing was dead on arrival. You know, um, but they could have ended that at two. You didn't need the third. Yeah, 
But uh, it's think, a bit of a cash grab to go back to third time. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I think you know, I think the Mummy is like I said, it's just classic Halloween. You can do so much with it. Um, and I think both those films are really good. Both really, really are still great. So, Mr. PJ, okay, you had your uh, your you know, your opportunity to redo um, to redo Dick Tracy. Yeah, well, how would you do it, man? I'm curious. So. <sighs> I'll talk a little bit about casting. I didn't cast everybody, but just a couple of yeah, ideas, of course. right? Mm-hmm. Your main characters. I was torn between three different people for Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and depending on the tone and vibe of the film would be who I would pick. If I wanted something a little bit grittier, a gritty look, I think I would go with a Josh Brolin as oh, Dick Tracy. Oh, okay. If I wanted something where it's a more, you know, suave, debonair Dick Tracy... Mm-hmm. I think I would pick John Hamm. That's a very good pick. Right. That's a very good pick. And then mm-hmm. here's my my third pick. If you're gonna make it, I don't want to use the word campy or, but yeah, 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 if you yeah. wanted to make it a little bit lighter, yes, right, mm-hmm. but still have someone that could pull off grittiness. Mm-hmm. I th- and have the I think the right person for that could be someone like a Will Arnett. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you could see him yes. being a grizzled mm-hmm. cop, but also he could be a little bit lighter tone. Mm-hmm. So those are the Very kind good of picks. So those mm-hmm. one of those three, depending on the the vibe of the movie, I would pick one of them. Um, his girlfriend Tess Trueheart. I think you need, I think you need someone like a Scarlett Johansson. Kind of mm-hmm. has a timeless quality to how she looks. She's super good looking, right? Um, but she doesn't look like, she doesn't look fake to me like some of these yeah, more yeah, modern yeah. Yeah. hot people look. Like she's not yeah. a Kardashian or anything like that. She's. Right. Right, so that that would be his girlfriend, no, Tess Trueheart. You know who I think would be a good girlfriend for her, um, for him? Um, have you seen the, the new Harry Potter Fantastic Beast? Yes. The girl who's like, uh, uh, has like, I forgot her voice. She's like kind of smoky. Not the brunette. She's like like a strawberry blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yes. Like, she has. She has, she has that, that look, look too. That bombshell kind of yep, look. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So, um, big boy Caprice, mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Especially after seeing him in that... Um, I can't think of the name of the show now, but that new mob show that he's in on Paramount. Um, anyway, he, he plays a more mob guy, and you can see that he actually has the chops for that. Um, and he's older. And he's, you know, older. he's older. A little you, bit you, older. You need a gangster that's kind of older. Exactly. And gruddy and been through it yep. all. And then uh, another villain, if you were going to bring in uh, like a Mumbles, I would get like a Benicio Del Toro. Nice. If, oh, perfect. If you remember mm-hmm. uh, when we did our Star Wars episode, I said how much I hate The Last Jedi. Yeah. But he was in that movie with a character with a stutter. Mm-hmm. And so you know he could kind of pull that off. But I think he's a great character actor. and I think Yeah, he did the same thing in, in The Usual sp- yep. Suspects. He yeah. A, you know, which made his character – his character is really somewhat of a throwaway character. Yeah. Really, and, and, but he said he purposely kind of made his character out of crazy talk to yep. make him more – Important. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think he could do that. Great, great choice, Mr. PJ. And mm-hmm. then his partner, Sam Catchum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picked John Goodman. Oh. I, I've seen mm-hmm. him play FBI agents in movies, and, you know, I think he can be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could also be serious. So I think he, he right. toes that line. And then mm-hmm. just one more casting choice I picked um, for Breathless Mahoney, who right. was Madonna in the original movie. Right. Um, mm-hmm. As a, a younger character, but she, you know, because in the movie, in the original movie, Warren Beatty's like in his mid 50s and yeah. Madonna's in like her, I think her late 20s or early 30s and they make yeah. that movie. Um, I don't know if, if you know her or not, but I think uh, she has the right look would be a Sydney Sweeney. Sydney Sweeney. What is she? I know that She's name. the, 
she's on an a, she's on a bunch of HBO shows. Um, the HBO show where they all do drugs and their kids. Oh, Euphoria. My, my fiance is watching that show right Euphoria. now. Euphoria. Yeah, okay. she's the she's the hot blonde. Okay, okay, she's okay. the hot blonde one. Uh, she's in like twenty five or something like that now. Okay. So she's kind of got that young, mm-hmm. youngish. You know, she's not a she's not in her forties or fifties. Mm-hmm. She's like, you could, because the idea in the movie for me. So here's what I would do, right? Mm-hmm. Black and white movie, mm-hmm. very um, very reminiscent of a Sin City, like you said. Or I don't know if you ever watched Will Eisner's The Spirit. Black and white, but with pops of color, right? So it's all black and white, but Tracy's yellow coat and hat. Yeah. Those are pop. The red tie pops. Sam Catchum, he's a detective, but he wears like the orange, uh, the orange hat, and he has the mm-hmm. orange suspenders. Like the colors would pop off. Like that's how I would film it, and I would give it like a lot of heavy shadows, like a noir type of vibe, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And I would make it an anthology movie. You know, maybe four or five different twenty-minute short films mm-hmm. that encompass a whole movie. Um, but I would make it feel almost like an old school movie where you used to sit in a theater for. We didn't do this because we were right. way too young, mm-hmm. but. You know, like in the in the fifties or whatever, when you would go to a movie theater and you would sit there and you would watch a movie short, a cartoon, another movie short, the men the feature, and then you could sit yeah. there all day, right? Mm-hmm. I, I would kind of make it feel like that, uh, and I would set it in a, a a time period that looks timeless. I wouldn't mm. call it the thirties. I wouldn't call it two thousand twenty. All right, I would. You wouldn't be able to identify which right. era this takes place in because you'd want it to feel timeless, almost like a Batman the animated series. Yeah, yeah. You right. Yeah. So. The cars look like old cars and they have Tommy guns, mm-hmm. but then something else will be super high tech that you couldn't have, you know what I mean? Make yeah. it feel like it can mm-hmm. take place mm-hmm. whenever. And and then the different things for the uh, the anthologies, you might have one where Dick Tracy is over, you know, he has to arrest the nightclub owner. And maybe the nightclub owner is one of the other Dick Tracy villains. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like, the influence is one of the villains in, in right. Nick Tracy comics. He's like a bigger guy. He ran a casino. So maybe big boy Caprice owns a nightclub, but really he operates it as an undercover illegal yeah, casino. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where you would meet like the Sydney Sweeney character of, of, uh, of breathless Mahoney. She's a performer or a waitress or something in the club. Mm-hmm. And then Tracy comes in, does what he does. He winds up busting the, the illegal casino. He arrests everybody. And then you might have another one, another, you know, piece of the anthology where he arrests the uh, the tramp is another Dick Tracy villain, right. but he's like a, a street level kind of criminal, right? And maybe somehow, you know, he's working for, for Big Boy or whatever. But what I would do is, even though Big Boy is the main villain and he's the piece mm-hmm. that ties all of the yeah. anthology film together, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the movie would obviously end with Big Boy getting arrested, right? That's the climax yeah. of the movie. Mm-hmm. But that, that thread ties all the anthologies together. Everything he does... Is he's busting someone right. that is part of the gang until he right. can get to, to the yeah, to the main yeah, yeah. villain? Mm-hmm. But I would swing it so that at the end you find out that Breathless Mahoney, mm-hmm. the the young, yeah, hot, you know, whether she's a singer, lounge singer, whatever, is actually the villain, mm-hmm. and that's how you can set up a sequel. Is that you thought you got the big bad guy of Big Boy Caprice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it turns out it was never him in the first place. Like she was really pulling the strings, and maybe even Big Boy doesn't know it. And that would be like your twist. You're like, oh my god, I was so focused on Big Boy Caprice because all Mm -hmm. of these, all these mini anthology movies point to Tracy having to find a way to stop Big Boy, and that would be my swerve. And again, very noir vibe, kind of kind of dark and shadowy, but the 
the pops of color, maybe a voiceover like you'd see in old noir films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, yeah. It, it would want it to feel timeless. Like I don't mm -hmm. want it to feel like it's stuck in any given, you know, time period because you want to be able to watch it whenever and feel like it's relevant. Right. So that that would kind of be my little synopsis of how I would do a Dick Tracy movie. Mm -hmm. Very lovely, PJ. I, I would get tickets to that. You Thank know? you. Yeah. Like you said, I could picture like the film noir type thing, that detective, like Humphrey Bogart kind right. of thing and Maltese Falcon and... You don't very, see very you don't good. see films in that genre anymore yeah. mm -hmm. uh, because like it's like you said before everything is so reliant on CGI and big effects and you don't need that or to make mindless a good, action or mindless that's action not advancing the plot right, right. you don't need mm -hmm. that there could be some action for sure but mm -hmm. the story needs to drive yep. what's happening mm -hmm. and that's what sucks especially him being in. a detective really right exactly you know, show him doing help. some detective work and then. Mm -hmm. You know, you could still find those romantic elements because you're still going to have his girlfriend, Tess Trueheart, yeah. in there. Mm -hmm. You know, I would almost start every anthology scene, mm -hmm. right, with him on a date with his girlfriend and getting called away. Right. Oh, they need mm -hmm. Tracy. He has to leave her again at the – Yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. that's how I would start every one. Like, oh, they're about to go out to dinner. They're on a date. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, the watch, you know, he has the watch. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. The watch goes off. I got to go. They need Tracy. They need him to make a bust and he has to leave her there or – I would start everything like that where it just shows like he's so into being a cop and he keeps leaving his girlfriend behind be like a running gag and mm -hmm. that would that's you know that's sort of my that's sort of my idea for it. Lovely. Mm -hmm. How about you? What do you got for the mummy? So, um mine wouldn't be a direct like remake. So he like my main character wouldn't be Rick O'Connell. It'd be okay. a whole new thing. I would call it the curse of the mummy. Okay. It's probably our name already Universal has or whoever owns those rights. Um but it's gonna have the spirit of the mummy. So I okay. still want it to be like the Indiana Jones kind of lighthearted, right. but I want to have action in it, but I want to vamp up the horror, and I'll get into how you, you would do that. But in terms of my casting, I said for this movie, like I said, for me, I, I still want to have a serious tone, though. Okay. You know I mean? And I think an actor, I sort of like to kind of, in my head, some cast people who you don't think of them as, oh, they could do a comedic flair, but that's something that kind of works out. You know, like sometimes you think of like Robert Williams and, oh, he could do drama or right. vice versa. Right. So actually, I would have my hero, my film, actually be Michael Fassbender. Ooh, okay. Yeah. You know, I think, yes, he's handsome. He could be serious. But I think he, I think you kind of need, he could be, um, I think he could be kind of sexy, honestly. Right. Kind of more charming in, in that kind of way, you know. Um, he's Magneto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah Glorious Bastards. I mean, yeah. great. And he had to be that intensity, too. Um, when he needs to, I think you kind of need that in that kind right. of hero. Um, I think his love interest would be, I love her. She's one of my favorite actors. She's lovely. Emily Blunt. Okay. I think she's very pretty. Uh, I love her in, um, uh, what's it called? Tomorrow. Oh my God. The one with, with Tom Cruise. Um, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, oh my God. I can't think of the uh, name Edge of it. Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> um, I think she would be great in that. I think the person who would play the mummy... Um, he actually somewhat quasi-played a mummy, if you could say. He's actually Oscar Isaac. Um, I know he kind of somewhat played that kind of figure in uh, X-Men Apocalypse. Right. But I think he could kind of pull up. I know you think he had, uh, for me, the mummy should be someone who's like very huge in stature. Should mm -hmm. be kind of a regular dude. And right. Comes, uh, you know, and more, whatever. And he's, he's a great actor. Yes, exactly. And you know, you could be intense. You know, he's not yeah. going to fuck around. You know? Um, and then for this, I kind of want, like for my film, like I said, more of an adventure. So... And I have more cast and I kind of get into it. But in terms of my story is that, you know, they have to, you know, they want to get treasure, you know, this kind of thing. And they have to go to this, whatever pyramid, whatever, I don't know. Some, it's not right. King Tut, some other, right. pyramid, whatever pyramid it is. We'll they make have, up a new mummy. Right, exactly. And they right. have to, 
travel there, right? So they have to make this, they have to kind of, almost like the Oregon Trail, and they have to get okay. a band of people to do it. Okay, we got to get some knuckleheads, and of course everyone's kind of racing. They found out there's some kind of gold there, I don't right. know, or whatever, you know? And it's just a myth that there's a, that all the money comes back, you know? There's this, it's like, oh, that's right. voodoo, whatever, you know? So one of the knuckleheads he gets is, uh, like, I'm thinking, I think he would do well, is John Boyega. I know uh, the guy from Star Wars, okay. played Finn. He played, because he actually has a British accent, so he does. work. With this kind of be like snarky, um, you know, and I feel like you'd be a person you can't really completely trust because you kind of want this one too. Like they're getting people I don't really want to. Right. They have to band together because each one else had to work together. One has a special. Almost like an Ocean's Eleven kind of feel. Yeah, each one has their own. They all have a specialty and a personality. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he was actually in a movie called The Block, um, which I recommend, um, where like aliens come down to London and he has to, you know, he has this really dexterous, very thick. Brooklyn or Brooklyn, London accent, okay. and I think it would work kind of well with his character, kind of be somewhat of a dickish, you know? Right. And I think you want to call your villain, maybe a Idris Elba, you know? You know, this other, and it's nothing like political ones, you know, from the not, nothing like right. that. It's just people who just want money or fame. Everyone has a mm -hmm. different reason why they go right. there. And I kind of wanted this to be, I think it's a very, I think it's underrated, it's not perfect, it's cheesy, but you ever see the movie Congo? Yeah. Okay. So I like that fact. I think the whole movie. I think the end, as I talked about before, but how any can really define a movie. I think that whole beginning, that first three quarter movie is actually fun to watch. Yeah, they're it really in the is. River. They're fighting like hippopotamuses. They're getting parachuted in or whatever heck it is. The monkey can talk. Right. They're meeting, uh, you know, Winston from the Ghostbusters. Uh, what's his name? Ernie Hudson. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's placed another you know South African accent. He's great in that. Anyway, you have them kind of they're traveling there. Remember, they're going by the down the Nile River. I don't know, whatever. Um. And that's kind of where you get like more of like the f kind of fun adventure kind of thingy and stuff like that. But when they actually get into the temple, uh, the temple, the uh, pyramid, pyramid, that's when you ramp up the uh, the, the horror. Okay. So not, I don't want to say like a quasi like evil that was going to be silly. Not that, but you make it like you're, like you're just basically getting lit by just like torches. You know what I mean? And then as they're going through there, maybe like all of it becomes like a labyrinth. All of a sudden, the thing closes behind them. Now they're stuck in there. Now it's amazing why don't something trips it, right you know, wakes up with the mummy and you make it really hard now like you still kind of make it funny you know right but there's a lot of jump scares and yeah jump scares yeah. you can have like a cat walking like how's right. the cat still alive and you know right. egyptian kind of may have a snake rolling around you know and then um yeah you kind of just have a slow mummy come to life and have him really like stalking kind of thing and anyway they have to outwit him you know right but uh really kind of ramp up the um you know the horror and i think from there you can really you know, for the next, you're going to make a sequel. You know, now the mummy breaks out of there. You know, I mean, at the end, you see a hand go through the brick. I don't know, whatever. Something like that. He has to find his, now he has to find his wife. And the right. Other, I don't know, whatever. Um, but I think, you know, for me, like, it's about that tone. That's the most thing. you got to have the, it's going to have a little bit of a lightheartedness. But, like, you think about Indiana Jones, there was moments you're like, oh, this is serious. Yeah. Now. It's about getting neck and not going to undercut, like, Marvel with this, like, a joke after a serious moment. Really kind of keep it. Me and my vibe is like, I was thinking like Indiana Jones, even Spider-Man, the mm -hmm. talking about that kind of, you know, serious tone, but it was, you know, when you had the Green Goblin coming, you're like, oh shit, right. it's getting real. Um, even like a Predator tone, um, even a Fifth Element, that kind of adventure, you know, it's like a sci-fi, but still, right. that kind of tone. And I, for me, I actually also went into who I would like to direct it. So I have a couple, I feel like for this you need some old school guys. Okay. I don't know if they would come back, but I would love to see Robert Zemeckis. Obviously he did Back to the Future and Forrest Gump and Polar Express and... Um, but he, he did Romancing the Stone. That kind of put him on the map. And that was basically a, like a really super romantic comedy of, of, uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. I think you have the spirit of it. If he didn't want to do the job, 
I would actually have James Mangold, which is doing actually the new um, Indiana Jones. But I feel like he has a really good flair for, uh, like, I don't know, like, atmosphere. Like, I, he's done great movies. Like, I love Copland. That's an awesome film, underrated. Copland is great. Mm-hmm. But he did, uh, you know, Four versus Ferrari. He did 310 to Yuma with Christian Bale, like a Western. I think he did Logan, yep, right? He did yeah. Logan. Um, he did Walk the Line. And I just really feel like he can kind of get that, like... He's a great storyteller. Exactly. Yeah. I know, like, the the rumors for Indiana Jones right now is that great, and I think that would be not really his fault, maybe the fault of the studio up his ass. I think know? it's the fault of we probably didn't need another Indiana Jones also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How much can we make Harrison Ford do these days, but... Exactly. And my last guy who I think I direct to, I think I did... I, I don't know why this guy gets picked on a lot. Is Ron Howard. I understand he did Solo. I don't know. That movie's... A, you can't blame him. He came in halfway. I think I think that movie's actually underrated. I think it's much I better. I never saw people, it. But people uh, give it a hard time. And there are some pieces where it's disjointed. But you could... Mm-hmm. He did a good job on that movie. Right. I, we gotta go over there and clean up someone else's mess. Yeah, like, that's a hard job to do. But I think the reason why I chose him is just because... I think you needed an older guy to kind of make this kind of old school kind of classic kind of film. Because then you have a new guy coming in. It's kind of like... Ah, it's not going to have the right vibe. They're going to make it Marvel... Right, Tiki Watiki, that guy's name. Gonna have him turn into a whole. It's a, it's a joke. The whole thing yeah. is a joke. You need someone that can keep it serious. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Lightheart is okay, but mm-hmm. you need someone who can match the right tone. Yeah, and like you know, think about the Jungle Book, which yep. I thought it could have been a great idea. You know, or even the Pirates of the Caribbean had a good vibe yeah. to it. You know, until they got you know. Well, until there's like Pirates of the Caribbean forty-seven, and you're like yeah. enough of this. Yeah, but um, and I think another important thing that would really help the film, my my remake of the film is a great composer, and I would pick. Not surprisingly, Alan Silvestri. He did Back to the Future. Um, I think he just. I think he just understands tone. I know I'm a broken record, but I think it's really important because I think you give it a really dramatic theme, something whimsical like yep. Lawrence of Arabia. But I don't think he doesn't get credit, especially for his soundtrack for Predator. You know, because everyone thinks of the beginning like the pa 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 It's like very militant right. and all that. But no one talks about. The atmosphere he has when predators, you know, when the you know, the thing they have like that kind of like like a like a bongo thing, like bada, 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 bada. like I think they could really imagine that inside of the pyramid, and you have that kind of his his kind of touch like that, right? Oh my lord! Add to the eeriness of being exactly. in this darkly lit, and it would have that classic yeah. feel. Yeah. And I think it would really ramp it up. That's my curse of the mummy, and I think, like I said before, turning to a dark universe, kind of what you said too. You kind of make them all somewhat connect. You could have like if you're done with the mummy, you do something where you. I mean, you wouldn't have Michael Fassbender, but you have in the same universe where, like, maybe you go start with Dracula. Anyway, there's, like, a missing link, and maybe it all right. ties back to the mummy or, you know, like, I don't know, whatever. I don't know. You have the Wolfman, Victorian times, blah, 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 blah. You kind of have a loose thread. Maybe at the end, maybe Frankenstein's still out. I'm going through the monsters here. But maybe at the end, you know, you want to take, you know, place. Maybe now it's, like, maybe the 40s. Frankenstein's still running around. Right. And you have to use the equipment from, like, the mummy, the curse of them. I don't know. You got to take them down. I don't know. But, but there's you, a thread that you can you use to connect thread. everything. Yeah, yeah. You don't have like a Marvel thing where they, you have Wolf. It doesn't have to be a crossover. With, yeah, we don't have to put together the the, Mar- the monster Avengers yeah. and they fight some other monster. You don't right. need that. Maybe at the end you have a detective. Right. You know, and they you know they look through historical pieces about all this wacky shit. They saw. There's, there's sightings of a Wolf Man, and maybe this can take down Doctor Jekyll. I don't know. Whatever. It has to right. take down Frank. I don't know. Frankenstein's been around forever. I don't know. Whatever it is. You know, maybe Dracula's still alive. He's walking around, kind of like uh, interview with the vampire kind of vibe. You know, some some shit like that. But you can do it with the right tone, right thread. Try to do too much. Each one has their own time to shine, and I think you can do it. You sold me a ticket. <laughs> I'm there. But um, 
Anyway, folks, on uh, on Instagram or Facebook, um, you know, write us what you know what what movie franchise you would redo, you know, or reboot. You yeah, know? let us know what movies you think need some more love that you haven't seen mm -hmm. in a while and that you'd want to bring back. We'd like to hear it. Mm -hmm. But PJ, before we uh, cut loose. Um, I have a pop quiz for you. Okay. Now, unfortunately, you actually already answered some of these All questions right. for you. Um, I was gonna say who directed Dick Tracy? It was Warren Beatty. Yep. Okay. Who who played um, Mumbles? And, uh, that was Dustin Hoffman. Okay. All right. So maybe you. Okay. So these are other ones, not particularly with um, Dick Tracy, in particular. But um, what other famous gangster movie was Warren Beatty in? Another famous gangster movie was Warren Beatty in. I don't. I'm trying to think. I can give you a clue in a couple of seconds. I don't think. What was? I'll take a clue. I don't know. Um, there were a famous couple. Is it Bonnie and Clyde? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize yeah. he was. Okay. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Good PJ. Mm -hmm. Bonnie and Clyde, which is a really good movie too. Yeah. It's very iconic. I talked about for how a movie ends. That movie has. I don't want to spoil. If you ever seen it? The, the ending's very iconic. Oh my god. Um. In the movie on uh, Dick Tracy, uh, Lips Manless is played by Paul Sorvino. What other gangster film is he most well known for? Was was he in the Godfather franchise? Um, I'm not sure. I don't. I, I don't have so. that. But okay. this movie's, uh, you know, it's he, not Goodfellas. Is yes, it, it was. He? Okay, yeah, he plays Paulie. Oh, okay, okay, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and when Dick Tracy was released in theaters, um, this. Um, animated short was released before the film played. I know it was Roger Rabbit. Yes, I, I yes. can't remember the actual name, but it's like Roger Rabbit and the Roller Coaster. Yes, yeah, okay. wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember okay. that. Yeah, yeah, good man. Wow, you even got this specific one. Yeah. Roger Rabbit had three different shorts. Yeah. He had uh, the Roller Coaster one. Yeah. There's one where he uh, um, he has to go to the hospital because Baby Herman got hurt. Yep. And then one he's like a he works as like a like a mountain ranger. He's like a park ranger, you know? Well, you know, Roger Rabbit's one of my favorites. He's one of your favorites yep. also. Mm -hmm. And it's the same, like, Dick Tracy era. That, that, oh! Yeah, yeah, it's like that same kind of, like, old school 30s investigative, you know, detective mm -hmm. kind of look. Um, but I have three questions for you. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> I, I think you kind of touched on one of them also, but I think, you know, I think you'll get it. Who made their acting debut in The Mummy Returns? Oh, The Rock. The Rock, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, what year... Did the original Boris Karloff mummy premiere? I don't I'm I think I'm wrong. 1937? You're very close. It was 32. Oh! Very, very is close. Is that crazy that came out in 32? 32. And it's isn't still it? like iconic. That it, whole it, it's Damn. still yeah. It's just still something people see in their minds. And it's still good. The movie yeah, still, holds still up. good. And when I think of the mummy, like I think of the Boris Karloff yep. mummy first. Like mm -hmm. it's just crazy. Isn't Those that? Universal monsters, man. So just good. Freaking classics. Mm -hmm. And then the last one I wrote down here, uh, I think you'll get this one. Uh, which successful Brendan Fraser movie helped him land the role of Rick O'Connell? Mm. Is it successful? Yeah. Okay, I think I might know this. For some okay. reason, I might, might I, I might be wrong. I'm thinking, cause I'm thinking about his catalog of films. Is it George of the Jungle? It is. Wow! Yeah, George of the Jungle wound up being like so successful at the box office that, that they were like, part. well, we should wow. get Brendan Fraser to be in this movie. And Which is crazy. It's crazy because George of the Jungle, I mean, I like that movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fun movie. You would never watch that and say he should be in an action-adventure yeah. mummy movie. Mm -hmm. But just because it was successful, it got his name, I guess, out there as a leading guy, and that's why they cast him in the role. Yeah. Real quick with uh, what 
Frasier, I think a film that's kind of forgot. I think it's a very good film. I think it's a great film. I think it's very good. Maybe like a 6 out of 10, 7 out of 10. And actually, it has another famous gangster actor. It's Joe Pesci. It's called With Honors. Okay. Um, and actually, it has a hit song that Madonna uh, sings in it. Ties it all together. Well, it's not the movie itself, but right, it's right. a soundtrack. Yeah. It's called um, I Re- I'll Remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he plays like a college student, and um, Joe Pesci's like he's a homeless man. He's also very bright, blah, blah, blah. They try to re- reunite him with his son. Anyway. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good movie to, uh, you know. But I'm surprised because that was like a very dramatic role. Right. It's amazing how George Jones' silly movie got him the role. Of, yeah. But yeah, I think he's not? a great actor. I think he's underrated. I don't know. People don't put him in the same category as some top-name actors. And mm-hmm. look, he's, is he going to be as big a star as a Tom Cruise or a George Clooney? No, but I really don't think he's that far off in terms of ability and getting you to believe in the characters that he's portraying. I think he's a really good actor. Uh, he was supposed to be Superman at one point, but that movie never uh, mm-hmm. never came to be. But he, he, was, uh, he was a Comic-Con, a New York Comic-Con last year, mm. and tons of people wanted to meet him. He had a line, you know, yeah. down Manhattan. Like, that's how many people wanted to see him. It was... He's he's well like he's very likable. He plays mm-hmm. a lot of fun characters, and I, I hope uh, I hope we get to see more of him. He's been in a couple of movies yeah. and TV shows recently. I like Brendan Fraser, and I like the Mummy, and I like the way you uh, you said you would reboot it. Thank you. But uh, folks, thanks for listening. Um, we really appreciate you guys from all around the world. We check our stats. We see you all around the world, and we listen that you know download us, and we we can't thank you enough. So yeah, throw that in there. I mean, fans from global uh, Italy. I've seen Bangladesh, Kenya, Ireland, just the list goes on and on. And uh, I don't know how we wound up in those countries, but we thank you for listening to us. Yeah, and uh, we invite you next week at the same time, same table. Have a good one. Boys and girls, lunchtime is over. Please visit PJ and Mike's website, coolkidslunchtable.podbean.com for more information. Follow the boys on all social media apps. Just search Cool Kids Lunch Table Podcast. Now get to class before you get detention.